enough. So, so for the last, what is it, week or two or longer, we've had this kind of mounting surge, like a, an increasing momentum. Starting, I think, the real opening of the door to Dharma, really, to Dharma altogether. Uh, Dharma, not just Buddha Dharma, or Hindu Dharma, Christian Dharma, just to Dharma. I think really the crucial point here is recognizing the distinction between hedonic pleasure and eudaimonic. That's a Greek term, but you find it everywhere. I think that's really, to my mind, that is crucial. You can be doing all kinds of rituals, you may be a priest, a lama, you can be anything. And if you're really, and you have to do all the rituals and the debating and you're meditating, but if it's really all to enhance your hedonic well-being, you're not practicing Dharma. It looks like it, but it's a show. It's, it's, it's hollow. It's, it's not Dharma. It's not, it's not Dharma. It's worldly Dharma, right? Whereas you can just be sitting there lying on a couch after a long day, resting. And if your, if your motivation is bodhicitta, that's Dharma. Shantideva says so. You don't need to, don't take, don't take, I'm not an authority for anything. I can tell you my name. But I was told that. I'm not quite sure that's true. They could have been lying to me. Maybe my real name is Fred. <laughs> I don't know. How would I know? But you know, Shantideva says this. When bodhicitta is really there, even when you're resting, you're still on, you're still in the flow. You're still practicing Dharma because of your motivation. So there's that core distinction. Do you want to simply perpetuate your existence in samsara, or you want to be setting out on a path? There it is. What's your life about? What is meaningful to you? And if, as the priorities start to shift over to genuine happiness, authentic well-being, then that's Dharma. And it may very well manifest by following some religion. Maybe it manifests by following Socrates, or who knows? Maybe following positive psychology. It's everybody's choice. So, but it really boils down to it developing authentic motivation. Authentic motivation. Now that's actually one of the eight, no, Eightfold Noble Path. You remember? Authentic, you have authentic livelihood, speech, and so forth, and then finally you come to authentic view and authentic intention. Intention, that's one of the Eightfold Noble Path. And that authentic intention is really having intentions that are rooted in reality rather than your fantasy realm of thinking, oh, if I just had more money, power, prestige, and so forth, then I'd be happy. Which means you're still delusional. Right? I mean, fundamentally delusional. And no matter how well you succeed, you'll still fail. So it's really quite tragic. That's why I said that we speak of an ocean of samsara, of misery. So we start there. We start there kind of coming to our senses that the, that the datura of delusion is wearing off. And we're coming out of that haze that Shantideva alludes to when he says, while seeking to be free of suffering, we hasten after the causes of suffering. While seeking happiness, we destroy the causes of happiness as if they were our foe. We come out of that delusion. We start getting real. We start aligning our way of life, our attitudes, our aspirations, our worldview with reality. I think it's that simple. We're just getting real. It's not we're getting spiritual, getting religious. It's just getting real. So you can be extremely religious and be a total phony in terms of outer displays and, you know, titles and all that kind of stuff. Or you may have no displays at all and be totally authentic. You know, the, the great Kadampa tradition that really is quite universally revered in Tibet. It, I think maybe because it didn't get into politics 
the Gelup, the, the, the Nyimapas had some politics, and the Gagyubas had politics, and the Sakyapas and the Gelupas, Gelupas still had a lot of politics, you know. So that's where dissension comes in, and rivalry and sectarianism. But the Kadampas, as far as I can tell, the followers of Atisha, number one, he had no politics at all. He was just straight. He was a simple Buddhist monk, to coin a phrase from His Holiness. And so they are revered, and they, if you, if you, if you bumped into a Kadampa Geshe, you see, well, just an ordinary monk. Nice, but totally ordinary. You know, because they just keep it all quiet, keep it all internal. They seem so ordinary. What do they say? Outwardly, they display, well, it's a pure monk. He doesn't mess around. He's actually he's a good monk. He keeps his precepts. That's what you can say about those Kadambageshis. Well, at least their precepts are good. They're they're kind of uninteresting and boring, but but you know, but their vini is good. That's what they display to the public. Inwardly, they'd be bodhisattvas. Secretly, they'd be Vajrayana practitioners. And no one would ever see their bell or Vajra, unless it was close disciples and there was a real reason to show it. So again, not to ramble on here, but there's where we start. There's where the door, door, door drama opens. Yeah? Isn't it so clear? Simply authentic. And no leap of faith required. It's just getting, just get real. You know, drop all your faith and your beliefs in phony baloney that, that you brought with you to the gate of Dharma. Leave all of that. Leave it being as excess baggage. Drop it off and start getting real here. And then we move from there, from this authentic motivation, this spirit of emergence, however much we can cultivate it, it will just get deeper and deeper along the path, and it turns into loving-kindness. It's a natural evolution. Like a, like a little seed turns into a sprout. It's natural. Start loving yourself. You know, Start, start there. And how do you do that? By developing authentic motivations, which are realistic motivations, motivations that can actually give you the happiness you seek. So just extend this renunciation, so-called, this spirit of emergence, and just let it start to flower. And it comes out as loving-kindness for yourself. And then you say, but actually, I like her too, and I, I like him, and yeah, I kind of like her too, and she's nice, and yeah, she's good. Okay, I want to include, and you just, after a while, you just kind of start get, getting carried away. <laughs> Because you kind of say, yeah, but she's kind of a stinker, but you know, she's sweet in heart. She has a good heart. Stinker, but she has a good heart. Okay, I'll include her. And he's really nasty, but yeah, he, well, but came up causing conditions. What can you do? I'm going to include him too. And after a while, you're just including everybody. You know. And then you, you, know, you proceed. Immeasurable compassion, empathetic joy, equanimity, and then you notch it up again. It's like being in a car. You're in first gear. Oh, now you go into second gear. Boom. Or you turn on like what Batman, you turn on that supercharger. And then suddenly, whom da 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 <laughs> Man am I old. <laughs> That's when you go into the greats, the great loving kindness, great compassion, great empathetic joy, great equanimity. That was quite astonishing yesterday. Oh, that's deep. Great equanimity. So then you may wonder on our wagon train west to the pure land of Amitabha. <laughs> gotcha, you didn't see that coming. <laughs> Yeehaw! Off to Sukhavati. Some people call it California, but others call it, Suk others call it Sukhavati. <laughs> so where do you go from there? You know, on this great wagon train of all these wee potters and eye potters, where do we go from there? 
And I can tell you exactly where you go. You don't stop there. I mean, that was good. That was fantastic. It was even, tremendous balance. But we still have, we haven't quite reached the ocean yet. And that is in Tibetan called Hlaksam. Hlaksam. And Hlak means extraordinary, exceptional, something out of the ordinary. Something, yeah, just that. That's pretty clear. And some means an intention. Intention. So it's an extraordinary intention, resolve, something quite whoa, like that. Hlaksam. And it is, so it's an extraordinary, I would say, extraordinary resolve. There are different translations, they tend to be good. But extraordinary resolve is very close. And it's, if you just say, well, I'll just take that and forget all that preceded it, then it's kind of like, like a shell, like an empty shell. You know, like, like in like a snail shell, where the snail is dead and it just left the shell. It's kind of like that. It's like an empty snail shell. It kind of looks like a snail. But that's no more a snail than my cell phone is. It's a snail shell. So if you've not been cultivating an authentic motivation, the four immeasurables, the four greats, and you just say, oh, um, I shall free all sentient beings from suffering and the causes of suffering and bring each one to an enduring state of happiness. That's very nice. That's a snail shell. Anybody can say that. Anybody can wish that. And I hope also that Santa Claus gives them lots of gifts at Christmas. So it can be very superficial. It can be just a literally, it can be a, an empty snail shell. But of course, that was never the intention. Anything can be empty. Your Dzogchen meditation can be empty. Any, anything can be empty. A marriage can be empty. Just the outer veneer, the facade, the ritual. So there's not a criticism of anything. It's just that we want to make sure that we know where the juice is. And the juice is right from the ground. That little, that trajectory that I just set forth. So this extraordinary resolve rooted in the four, rooted in renunciation, rooted in insight into the nature of genuine happiness, rooted in the four greats, and then we're seeing it really coming into flower, this resolve, and now with no parity at all. It's a resolve, again, like the greats, like great loving kindness and so on. I shall relieve all sentient beings from suffering and their causes. I shall bring each one to a state of utter fulfillment, the greatest joy, irreversible. So that's it. That's it. So that's the next step. And then it's envisioning. So that's 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 classic. I mean, that's that's a classic. That's what is stated in the great Bodhisattva teachings. But then it's always good to take it from the clouds, you know, up there in the abstract, the ideal, and bring it down. Bring it down where you are, with your unique background, unique qualities, unique aspirations, your position in life. Nobody, is in, nobody else is in the center of your mandala. That's kind of important. Nobody has your connection with other sentient beings, that network of karmic connections. Nobody has your personal background. Nobody is where you, nobody lives where you do, in your room, in your bed, on your side of the bed. Nobody's there except for you. This means you are uniquely in the universe. You have a unique, unique web of interrelationships with those around you, which means you can be of unique service to the world. That all follows. So what would you like your uniqueness to bring? Amitabha, for example, made some, I probably they are, unique prayers. Unique prayers resulting in Sukhavati, this pure land, created from his mind. 
but it came from his what he uniquely uttered. He's not not the same as Maitreya or Padmasambhava or Varochana or Vajrayini Tara and so forth. Not the same. Not the same. So likewise, when you become a Buddha, you're not going to be a, like blended Buddha. You know, a little bit of Maitreya, a little bit of Shakyamuni, all kind of blended together. Nor have you been sucked up into some great Dharmakaya where now you're just into the internal homogenous soup. It's not like that. I mean, we can't imagine it, but what it is is not that. What, what it isn't, we can say quite clearly. You're not just sucked up and drawn into and melted into somebody else's Dharmakaya. You're not a homogenous Buddha. You are uniquely the Buddha that you have realized yourself to be. So, so to make it personal then, as mounting, building from, coming even a further step beyond great equanimity, when you bring forth this aspiration, or no aspiration, resolve this intention, I shall free all from suffering, bring all to a state of lasting joy, to their fulfillment. What's your strategy? What's your strategy? To have just a wish. That's like going to the top of a very high building and say, my penthouse will be there, but having no idea where the elevator is or the stairway. That's where I want to go. Yeah, but you're going to walk? You're going to, you're going to fly? Are you going to take the elevator? How are you going to get up there? You're going to go around or straight up? Or what are you going to do? So, good. Where, how do you go from here to there that you can actually bring that about? Because we're actually serious. I mean, it sounds so wildly over the top that I think part of our mind says, you're not serious, right? <laughs> Come on. There's a hundred billion galaxies. You're not serious, right? This is kind of a sweet thought, like, like tooth fairy, right? And the answer is, no, we're serious. <laughs> so how are you going to get to the top? What's your plan? What's your strategy? Starting now, because we're always starting now. We never started yesterday. Nobody ever started anything yesterday. They always started now, right? So starting now, what's your strategy? How are you going to be? What's your plan? You're making a pledge, a promise, an extraordinary resolve. And so if you were making that to me as just simply representing sentient beings, okay, I listened, I just heard your marvelous resolve, my immediate response would be, thank you. <laughs> and how are you going to do it? When will I see some benefits? I, all sentient beings. How are you going to do that? I really want to know. Right. So, have an answer. Let's go to our practice. And I'm going to, as we launch into the meditation, just so I don't surprise you, it won't be an unpleasant surprise anyway. Um, I won't say pet. <laughs> I won't even say pet. I won't say anything. Know that I'll give some articulate sounds, citing some verses from Shantideva that I find very moving. So they kind of launch you a little bit. Launch you, and then almost like the skater. So we'll, have, we'll, be, we'll be riding with Shantideva skates. Not a whole lot of verses, but a number. And then I'll stop reading, and then you, then you carry on, okay? Good. Namo Lama Deshe Dupe Kuo Kunjo Sumgi Ranjin 
Dhatang do tu nam janju badu kyapsu chi. Namo. In the Lama, who is the embodiment of the Sugatas, of the nature of the three jewels, I, together with the beings of the six realms, take refuge until our enlightenment. Semgendoa kundun du lama sange dupne ni kangla kandu tinle kildoa doa damchau. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. ゲユケヌチャンサンベマゲサドンボナヤムセンチョキモドニエペマジュネシェスータコドカンドマンブコケキジェスダトゥキジンゲラプチシェクスースグルペマシディホン In the northwest frontier of Odiana, in the heart of a lotus, sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city, and is surrounded by a host of many dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice. Please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Pemasiti Hum. Sustaining the sense of your sacred identity and the pure vision, if you'd like to switch positions, please do so now.
So bearing, bear in mind what has brought us to this point, the cultivation of a spirit of emergence or renunciation, the four immeasurables, the Mahamaitri, Mahakuruna, Mahamudita, Mahaupeksha, the great equanimity. We synthesize all of this now and this extraordinary intention or resolve to free every sentient being from suffering and the causes of suffering, to bring each one to their fulfillment, to perfect awakening, Buddhahood itself, and not rest ever until that job is done. So even if your aspiration, your resolve is just a faint facsimile, cultivate what you can. Your shamatha isn't perfect, your vipassana is not perfect. There's room for improvement, of course. And likewise here, do what you can. Let it be as, as authentic, as sincere as you can. It's enough for now to do as much as you can and not worry about what you can't. You may conjoin this with a visualization, and in your own practice I suggest you do whatever you find most helpful. The one I will choose for this morning is one we've done before, and that is during the in-breath, imagine drawing in all the blessings of the awakened ones, the Buddhas, of all the three times, past, present, and even the future. Draw them in, supercharging your body, speech, and mind. with the body, speech, mind, blessings of all the Buddhas, and with every out-breath, send forth this light in all directions, out to all sentient beings, without exception. Letting each one know this is your resolve, this is your intention, your prime directive. Send out the light of your great loving kindness, your great compassion, your great joy, your great equanimity.
Then we turn to Shantideva, the great Bodhisattva. See if we can resonate with his own aspirations, his own prayers. When he writes, may I be the medicine and the physician for the sick. May I be their nurse until their illness never recurs. Imagine the light flowing from your heart, taking on these forms. Here and now manifesting in accordance with this noble aspiration. With showers of food and drink, may I overcome the afflictions of hunger and thirst. May I become food and drink during times of famine. May I be an inexhaustible treasury for the destitute with various forms of assistance. May I remain in their presence. For the sake of accomplishing the welfare of all sentient beings, I freely give up my body, enjoyments, and all my virtues of the three times. Surrendering everything is nirvana, and my mind seeks nirvana. If I must surrender everything, it is better that I give it to sentient beings.
May I be the protector for those who are without protectors, a guide for travelers, and a boat, a bridge, and a ship for those who wish to cross over. May I be a lamp for those who seek light, a bed for those who seek rest, and may I be a servant for all beings who desire a servant. sentient beings, may I be a wish-fulfilling gem, a vase of good fortune, an efficacious mantra, a great medication, a wish-fulfilling tree and a wish-granting cow. Just as earth and other elements are useful in various ways to innumerable sentient beings dwelling throughout infinite space, so may I be in various ways a source of life for those sentient beings present throughout space until they are all liberated. So Shantideva is encouraged in the right direction. He shared his prayers with us. And now you're on your own. Continue in your own meditation that is unique to you. In your arousal of this extraordinary resolve to free all beings, to bring each one to perfect awakening.
release all appearances and all aspirations, all intentions. Let your awareness rest without object. So good. So then today we start practicing Dharma. This morning, right now. And wherever you are, whether it's night, afternoon, morning, people listening, you wee potters, we start now. Because that's the only time you ever start Dharma. You know, you've, you never start anything yesterday because yesterday wasn't yesterday when it was yesterday. Was it? When you ever say, oh, now it's yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday is a fiction, right? It's just something that we project on what isn't now and we think happened before. Maybe. And then tomorrow never happens. Never start any, any, nobody ever starts anything tomorrow. The notion, I'll start cultivating bodhicitta tomorrow. Lots of luck with that. I remember Gishin Taiki. was the first one that really showed me the path in this lifetime. And when he was teaching about bodhicitta, I was kind of overwhelmed. I thought, well, that's way beyond me. I'm not, that, not, not like never, like I wanted to be, you know, just a jeev arhatship for myself. That wasn't the issue, but just, it just seemed so high. It just seemed so advanced. And I remember telling him, you know, what I felt. And he said, don't think that way. Start now. Don't let your life slip by. 
without cultivating bodhicitta. <laughs> we know. The fact that he lived what he was teaching made it very powerful. There was no difference between the man and his teaching. Good. Enjoy your day. <laughs>